So, hello. This is a little disclaimer before we get into this week's podcast. We're going to be talking about the trauma bond and how that is the first steps into a toxic narcissistic relationship between some people say an empath. I just say an innocent victim and a narcissist. And so for those of you who might currently be in a situation that sounds similar, maybe you don't even know, maybe this is a new topic to you and that's fine. For those of you who um, are in the middle of it or maybe are recovering from a very bad relationship, I just wanted to let you know, we are going to talk about um, physical abuse, mental abuse, financial abuse, emotional abuse, and the ties that bind and the things that um, not just narcissists, but destructive, uh, manipulative people will do to reel you into a relationship with them and, and then how they systematically break you down as an individual to, you know, make you more malleable, to make you the person that they need you to be to make their life easier. So I just wanted to let you guys know that that was what was coming up. Just a little trigger warning. And um, I hope you guys enjoy this interview with my friend, The Funny Honey. another episode of some like it hot and today i'm like jessica rabbit meets dick tracy's secretary something's and i am joined with the fabulous the funny honey hey <laughs> and so this is your third second uh, fourth it's like your fourth time i think uh, girl i don't know i think I don't even my know. third I think, well, you were the first time, I think we were on camera. No, I don't know. Whatever. She's going to be, she's one of my regulars. So if you ever watch any news shows, any talk shows, any podcasts, they always have a reg and Mm -hmm. she's one of my regs. So I actually, this season so far, it's just been me, the live stream and my two regulars. That's it. Because... You know, you know the adventure that I'm I'm in the middle of right now. So I'm very busy in my day to day life. So I don't have the scheduling time. I don't want to say I don't have the time. I don't have the scheduling time right now to yeah. just like recruit new people. But I have some people on the on the docket. But all right, so we're gonna get into it because she's she's got limited time too apparently. So now <laughs> just cutting through. Last week, Funny Honey was supposed to join us, but she couldn't join us because of a family emergency. Now, you don't have to go into detail about that, but I just wanted to touch base with you and ask, you know, how are you doing? Is everything okay on your end? Um, I mean, they're, they're okay as it can be. Um, you know, I'm still going through it with my family, but, um, it, you know, it's, it's still happening. But, you know, it's working, we're working through it, so. Okay. I mean, without going too into too much detail. Right. No, right. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't even sure if you wanted to bring it up, but you know, it's fine. I'm glad that you were willing to share and you look good. I appreciate good. you asking. Oh, thank you. Your you hair too. looks really good and your makeup. I don't even think I've ever seen you with makeup and I've known you a long time. I've never seen you with makeup on. 
Girl, I hardly ever wear makeup. She I'm not really a makeup good. person. Oh, she looks good. And so she's she's on set. This is your this is your set really for when you do mm-hmm. Twitch. Yep. So can you explain for people who don't know you, don't maybe don't even go to Twitch, what's going on in the background here? <laughs> oh God, there's honestly, you know, I it started out as like, oh, I want to display my stuff, like all my gaming stuff, all my you know like figurines. Like I have tons. I have like a little Lucio and gears, and I have these little like you know patch marks these are things from video games just for yes okay but um behind me over here on this side i kind of it's more like a storage for gaming stuff because i noticed that you can't really see a lot behind me because it's just the way i don't have a lot of space Mm -hmm. so um yeah well i know know, like i know like a lot of the 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 bigger streamer like the big you know they do it full time they end up having like a whole room like they yeah. decorate a whole room and I've seen other people get around that. Right. So there's a guy that I actually went to his stream like a month ago and I was like, wow, look at his room. Like I could see him in the pro, like the little profile picture. So I was like, let me go look at this guy's thing. Come to find out total green screen, much like mine. This oh is a green screen. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. And it, but it looked like this awesome, like gaming room, but he just like took somebody else's and just used it as his picture. That's <laughs> smart <laughs> that's really smart i should probably do that uh, but yeah no this is a green screen because i if i had to set up in my living room every time i had to do my podcast it'd be a nightmare trying to move everything so uh, but i was like i wish i could do it in my living room my living room is so peaceful i want to bring peace um but all right so let's get into this so <sighs> lately honestly the direction i've decided to go with my podcast has really been about relationships it's really been about not just like, you know, romantic relationships, relationships in general, friends, family. Last week I talked about, you know, a friend of mine who died, a coworker of mine, really, who I was friendly with who died and suddenly abruptly. And, you know, I feel like it's important that we have these conversations. And then of course we can, you know, wedge some things in there. We talked about Dave Chappelle and other things now i don't know if there's any newsworthy stories other than the fact that this weekend apparently kim kardashian has decided that she's going to be the next person to be seen with um what's this got that guy from snl that dated ariana grande i can't remember his name now (laughs) oh god i know his name oh pete pete davidson so okay yeah so he's he's been seen with her and a few other starlets and singers and stuff. And so now Kim was another guest on SNL. He, he recruits them. You know, he, he's like at work and he picks women off, which is what apparently a lot of men do. Mm. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and so now they were at like Knott's Berry Farm or wherever in California. And they were on a ride together holding hands. And the... Mm-hmm. The, uh, the the roller coaster ride took a picture of them holding hands, and they're like, "Oh, they're not dating." But then they got they were just seen today in New York. So I'm like, "All right, whatever." Like it's good press for them. It makes them, you know, whatever. But I'm like, I don't know. Like uh, Sherry Shepard was on uh, Wendy Williams today, and she was saying, "I just happened to catch a clip of it," and she was just saying how she's like, "He must have a really big <clears throat> personality." <laughs> Because usually she's with black men, you know? But I'm like, yeah. well, yeah, but not all black men are big down there. Absolutely. So it's like it's like this, it's like a double-layered, like, misogynistic, sexualization, like, uh, lie. Like, 
first of all, she's only with black men because they have big, huge slongs. And so she's with this white guy. There's no way she's with him because she actually likes him. It has to be because his schlong is like the big black guys. Like, it's just, I, I don't, I don't get that. I hate that, especially because I've dated a lot of guys and I've been in relationships specifically with a lot of guys that I know women and, and other people look and they're like, oh, I bet his is really big. I bet that's why she's with him. And I'm like, <laughs> that should have been why I was with him because he was an asshole. But no, unfortunately, I was nice enough to give him a chance knowing all well that it wasn't as large and in charge as I was expecting it to be. But anyway, and, and can, you can, you can, we've had this conversation before. Yes. Yes, we have. It's, so, you know, I, I used, I used to be young and I used to be like, oh yeah, black guys have big things, blah, blah, blah. And then like. When I really started dating black men, I was like, this is not true. Like, no. It's almost like opening a present and you're just like, this is not what I wanted. You know? It's a letdown because you are told to anticipate something large. Yeah. Although I can say now that I'm older, size does not necessarily matter because there is a, a thing called too big. And, you know. Well, I, it I, matters, I, but we don't want too big. It yeah. matters. We just, we, there is a, there is a limit, like a weight limit. Absolutely. There's a size limit. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's what I'm talking Yes, exactly. And I'm just like, you know, if you have a good personality, you know, <laughs> not that, good personality, <laughs> <laughs> not a good personality. That can help. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? It's not going to help me. <laughs> oh my God. I don't, I don't care about the personality at this point, girl. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right oh, now. Geez. No, but I, I have seen, remember that one I sent you a picture? So I saw one on the internet. Oh, remember okay. it was like, <laughs> it was like huge. And then it like, it looked like a, uh, no, Candyman's uh, hook. hook yeah. Candyman's hook. That's what it looked like. Yes. And I'm like, how do you even get it in? How do you get it in? You have to remove, maneuver that thing. I don't think, no, honestly, I don't think there is a way for a hooked penis like that because it's not hooked to the side. Like, you can kind of see, maybe, which I still wouldn't do the hook to the side one, but, like, it's hooked down. How do you get it in? Like, you know what it is? You're requiring a lot from your partner because you're requiring her to be up, like, on her head with her legs spread with her butt all the way up in the air like right. this. Like, arch. Right, arch yeah. all the way up, and then she has to stay like that so you can hook it in and you're going to stand over her and then you got to dip it in like it's a a dunkin donuts <laughs> like in a coffee <laughs> like the crew but what is the thing that, <laughs> that is, but the, like that is the only position you'll ever have by the way like there is be afraid i'd break it because it's like it's all girl it's broken like, it already is broken it out and he broke it hurt. you know they say that men's penises the, the way that they the way that they are shaped is from the way they masturbated since they were young. Oh. Did you know that? No, I never Yes. Heard. So if your man's is straight, oh, she's already thinking, the, the wheels are turning, she's thinking about all the penises. The whole <laughs> list just went through her head. The, if, but if you're, I don't know how long the list is, but if the, if the, uh, if it's straight, then he probably does it, you know, straight up or straight, whatever. If it hooks to the left or the right, then it probably he does it like that, yeah. So that means he was like, <laughs> that, that girl. That means that shit was pointed towards his mouth, like. No, that's this way, not towards his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> they got. I seen him anyway. Uh, so 
okay, somehow we ventured into penises. But but the point the point I was trying to make, the point we were making, was that, you know, there's a lot of myth about men and their shapes and their sizes. And and you know, it's interesting because it's not just about body parts that girls are misled to believe. It's the whole notion of what love is, what dating is, what Prince Charming is. And what we neglect to understand, and I think even myself just now, I'm just now realizing, is that while we're taking notes, like we're watching Cinderella and Snow White and whatever, whatever as little girls, and growing up as teenagers and watching teen dramas and love romance, right? So are the boys. But for the most part, the guys that have like insidious plans they're taking notes on what it is that we want from these movies so they can project it and make us think that's who they are to get us interested in them. And, of course, that leads us right back to, dun, dun, dun. I need a sound effect. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, the narcissist. Mm. So this is the year of the narcissist. And why we call it that is because you know, we've been going through different waves of woke culture, right? So I'd say in the last ten years, first we woke up to the we woke up to the idea that our government is is rigged and things are fake and can't trust people, can't trust the news. You know, we woke up to the fact they don't care about us. They're never gonna cure cancer because it's more lucrative to keep it, you know, as a medication you take or you know whatever chemotherapy, right? They're never gonna cure AIDS. They're never gonna stop the gun violence because there's too much money in guns, like. Over the years, and then we got to the hashtag Me Too, and now we're in cancel culture. And partway through that, weeding through that, we've managed to find ourselves through TikTok. Really, it's TikTok. Um, Absolutely. Opening up the door and finding out about the narcissist and how we can spot um, different types of people we've been dating and the red flags that they present. But most specifically, I think I think the phenomenon of the cultural... Um, global like oh you're a narcissist awakening is because they follow such a similar pattern all of them that once you hear one person's story you're like oh my god that's my story and what happens is we end up sharing these stories with each other through social media and we and for especially women like us who are not just starting out dating we're not in high school we're not in middle school we've dated a lot we've been around a little bit and so for a lot of us, prior to this awakening, I'm speaking for myself, but I think you will agree with me, we felt isolated, like, no, this just happened to me. This is something that he did to me. This yeah. is something that they did to me. And then to learn, like, oh, no, I'm not alone. This is this is a thing. And these people, there's a lot of these people, yeah. right? And we started sharing that. So I didn't know that you dated a narcissist. Mm. Now, did you date more than one? Because I feel like I dated more than one, but they're varying levels of what they're like. Yeah, so I would agree with that because um, the one that was like, boom, in your face mm -hmm. was like psycho. But the one before that was more like, I think I was just blinded by love and I thought I was in love and I thought that it was love. And so, you know, I didn't realize that, you know... I was being, wasn't being treated correctly. And, you know, I, the relationship wasn't really a relationship at all. It, I, I, girl, I just think back and I'm just like, oh, I wasted so much time with this person. 
And I think I was more in denial about it because I was just, I wanted to be loved. I wanted somebody to love me and, and I wanted to be in a relationship. You know, I'm a relationship type of person. And so it was more like I was comfortable. We were comfortable. But then now when I got, since I've been out of it, I can look back and see all the red flags, all the things that were bad, all the negative things. And, you know, even with the, with the psycho one, he, I mean, he, and he was even worse, you know, but well you know that's the thing about the, being with that type of person they make you it's it's so hard to break down in such a small amount of conversation but yeah. one of the things that they do strategically is they bond with you and that's what we're going to talk about today is the trauma bond so first they bond with you on a level of you've been through something i've been through something let's help each other get out of that something together we're in love look at how love right so once you feel like they've helped you out of something, then you feel safe with them and you feel comfortable with them. But what they end up doing is now that you're in their web, they'll be the same ones to make you feel. Um, what I can tell you from my situation with the, with a narcissist, specifically the emotional abuse of a narcissist, because I was with someone who was physically abusive. And I have to say, although he was a scumbag and he was self-absorbed and a lot of different things his level of narcissism to be honest was quite low he wasn't he wasn't um because i you know the thing that i give to the narcissists out there the real the real deal narcissists are they are very uh they're brilliant they're evil and they're they are cunning right and i would not tell I would not say that my ex that I used to be with was brilliant or cunning. <laughs> so I would say his narcissism levels, like he's like a two, like I look at it like the mutants from X-Men. There's like the Mach 5, that's the Phoenix, that's like a level four is like Magneto, you know what I mean? Then like a level two is like, um, I don't know, someone who can like turn water into wine or something. Uh, well, that would be Jesus, wouldn't it? Well, no, anyway, but that's a level two. So, like, he was, like, a level two. Yes, he was physically abusive, but he, he was physically abusive because he wasn't smart enough to mentally manipulate me. He had to manipulate me with his hands, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, with the, the mental abusive and financial abusive narcissist that I've come to find in my life, um, they tend to... Once you're comfortable with them... They know they need to gin up issues to make problems, right? To scare you that you're going to lose them because they want you to feel like stuck. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 yeah. please don't go. And once you say, please don't go or whatever it is that they do to get you to like reel you back in and be more weak and more attached to them. That's when you get more comfortable and more feeling safe and like, I don't want to ever leave. I won't do anything to disrupt this. I'll do whatever I can to keep this calm serenity in our relationship. And, but they're always the one that finds a problem. Does, does yeah. that make sense? Okay. So, yeah. so tell me about if in any detail you're willing to give the, the, the worst narcissist that you had and you can give them a fake name and just tell me about how they trauma bonded you. What was the story you shared with them, if you're willing to share, and what is the story they share with you in, during the dating, the courting period that made it like, oh, we have, we both are going through something to bond you. So um, with that person, um, the beginning of, of the relationship was really good. Um, it wasn't until um, probably like a year in 
that I started seeing some aggression and, you know, anytime we had even the smallest of arguments, Mm -hmm. everything was my fault. Um, Even if he did something, if he kicked over the trash can, he would twist it and make it seem that I'm the one that did that or I made him do that or it's my fault that he did that. So, you know, and my stupid ass was like, I'm so sorry. I know, you know, like you said, trying to, I want to keep this calm. I want to keep this peace. Like, you know, let me make dinner for you or whatever. I don't know why, you know, like I said, when they say love is blind, sometimes that's really true. Mm-hmm. I, you know, was in love with him. And, you know, it was, we did have parts of relationship that were really great. Right. But the emotional side and, him being controlling and you know just little things i started noticing like he would be like why can't i come when i say go with my friends i'm like why do you need to come with me and my friends you know like he would call me like where are you at if i'd answer my phone or it was so bad that we worked together in the same office it mm-hmm. was like an outside worker and i was like an anti-worker and he would get mad if i was talking to another guy uh, but but before customer. before we go into the weeds because say look it's fresh that shit is fresh do you see this but what was it that he, like, how did he present himself to you? Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to sort of give people an idea of what to look for, right? So what was it, like, you were out to dinner? What was his sad story? What was his... His sad story was he yeah. was grew up, you know, poor. And mm-hmm. he grew up in the hood. And, you know, he didn't have money. And, right. you know, and so I, I almost was like, you know... I can't relate to that because that's not that I didn't grow up with money. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. My parents were like, you know, we were comfortable. Let's just say that. So, you know, I helped him, you know, uh, over time, you know, I would meet his family and I would see that, you know, they are not as wealthy and I would feel bad for him. I would, you know, be like, "You, you, you deserve better, you know, and, you know, I would do anything in my power to help him, whether it be find a job or let him use my car or pay for this or pay for that or buy his mom's groceries or something, you know? Right. And so I think that was, I. it's not that I wanted to fix him per se. It was like, I, I want you to see that somebody can be there for you. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be that person, mm-hmm. you know? And I think he took advantage of that, you know, eventually. I think it, it started out as, you know, as innocent as it could be, I guess. And right. then it turned into just a hot mess. So the thing about the thing about the narcissist, right, is that they will they look for someone who is looking to help people, right? They look for a kind person. They look for uh, a sweet person, a person who is everything that you just described. Right. And so at first, that's what they that's what draws them to you is all of the things you just mentioned. But later they resent you for it because mm-hmm. the way that they they put on a mask. Right. They wear a mask all the time before covid and their mask is this lie that they present to everybody every single day. And so they know what's under the mask. You don't know what's under the mask. I didn't know what was under the mask. I thought yeah. you were this sweet guy who had all these problems like you said who just needed to get out from underneath their family drama and the the 
destitution that they lived in and start a better life. And they had so much potential to be a good person and be successful. And I thought I could see that in you, but really you made me see that in you because you don't even believe that about yourself. And so what happens is the whole time you're with this person, they actually don't see themselves the way you see them. So you're constantly going, no, I love you. I believe in you. I, I want you to do good things. You could be the president. You could be whatever. This is me. This is not you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could be this and that. I believe you have the potential to do that. And in their head, they, they start resenting you. I would even say in some situations, hating you because they're like, oh, you know, that's that the, they think that about me, but they don't really know me. And they're just trying to make me into someone I'm not. And I hate them because they're yep. so good and so happy because they don't know what it's like to be me. And so what they want to do is they want to tear you apart and tear you down to make them feel better. Right. Yep. And of course, by the way, there's not a narcissist that's listening to this that's going to agree with anything that I'm saying, but that's because they don't. They don't agree with who they are. They don't They don't even want to deal with who they are. They won't even get, like, they won't even get help for it, you know, even if they, they see the damage they've caused. And they do. They do see the damage they cause. They see how, you know, you go from being a vibrant, happy person to crying all the time. They see... You know, if they've cheated on you, they see what that does to you. They understand the damage they're causing and they still won't go and say, I need help. This person was amazing to me, did amazing things to me, and I did horrible things to them. And you know why? Because they look at us like we're weak. Because we're nice and we're kind and we're forgiving, so we're weak. And we will never leave is what they think. And we will never leave. <laughs> Girl, let me take a sip of my drink. <laughs> oh, if you say so, if you like it, I love it. <laughs> you know, but that's the thing. You give them so many chances. So they believe that. They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, I could do anything. It doesn't matter. They'll never leave. They'll never find anyone better than me anyway because they, they, you know, whatever. And usually it's because they destroy you, right? So, like, for instance, with me, I've always battled with my weight. I always battle with my weight. And we always put on more weight when we're in love and we're in a relationship. And so many times in my relationship, my serious ones, I put on a lot of weight. And so this makes this the person who's treating me like this think, oh, now that I've destroyed her, I can treat her like garbage. And if she gives me a hard time, I'll just get rid of her. And, you know, look at her. She's she's overweight. Nobody wants her now. And she's older now. And it's like, oh, that's in your head. Everything's in your head, buddy. It's all in your head. There's someone, there's just someone for you. There's someone for me. And the difference between you and me is I'm being myself. So they're going to like me regardless. And you, you can't keep that act up for long. Right. You know what I mean? So my trauma bond situation um, in both of my scenarios. Now, this might be a little telling, but I think it's important that I say this. In both the physical abuse and the mental abuse relationships, both of them had a disconnect with their parents. So my ex was adopted. And he never met his parents. So that was his big woe was me. And it connected me to him like, oh, you have this problem. And it it humanized him, right? Because when I met him, he was like a cool guy with like two cars and lots of bitches and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So this made it, I felt like 
this was his way of saying you're more special than everyone else because I'm telling you my secret, right? Right. And then with the emotional abusive situation, it was like, you know, a bad family home of, of abandonment by a father who went off and started another family, two other families. And uh, throughout the court system, the family court system, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And so those two things endeared me to them. Now, if I were to start dating now and I met a man and he's like, I don't have a father. I have this. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Um, I have to go. Check, please. <laughs> no, you know what? I'll be like, here's my portion. I'm not even going to wait for the check <laughs> because I don't even want to hear about it. I don't even want to know. Like, sure, I I'll hear about it later, like when we're dating more serious. Like, if the, you just see what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think it's anything wrong with people telling you their backstory right. or their pain. But when they tell you in the beginning, it's to humanize them because that's all they have. Because the rest of them is ice cold. And you learn that later in the relationship. So what I want to talk about in the second half is after you're trauma bonded, the type of games that the narcissist plays with you to slowly will you down to nothing. Okay, so we're going to get in. We're going to get into that and we're going to get into what else the funny honey is up to as well. So stay tuned for part two coming up next. Nikia Nightshade Some Like It Hot is brought to you by The Beat House Cosmetics and their latest Legacy Eyeshadow Palette. With titles like Birthright, Heirloom, Estate and Inheritance, this mother-daughter duo, black family-owned company, is making sure to bring a little bit of legacy right to your face. TheBeatHouseCosmetics.com. Use hashtag SomeLikeItHot and get yourself a lovely little discount. You can also find it at City Trends Nationwide. All right, welcome back. So, funny honey, you are still on Twitch, correct? Yes. How's I that am. how's that Twitch life going cuz I have been very rarely on there. Um, I mean, I haven't been on in over a week and honestly, I'll be I'll be real with you. It's been nice. Mm. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. No, no, <laughs> I know. Cause nice. I haven't, I took all summer off. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's because, you know, I love my little community and the people that hang out with me. I really do, but you know, and it's not their fault, but lately I just, you know, it has, it's been dead and mm -hmm. it's hard for me to like get ready and put on clothes and, you know, get everything fired up and game. And then nobody's talking to me. It's really boring. And it's not their fault. I mean, I get it. You can't be there every single day. I'm sure right. it's fine. It just happens like that. It happens like that sometimes. But it's an awkward feeling because if you is. game and you're just gaming and you're not, you don't have a camera on you, and you feel the need, like you, you don't want to feel that need, but yeah. you see the numbers, and then it's like that is bothering you the whole time while you're playing because you know other people can see it. Then you're like, it's just, it's just a, it's not the same as just enjoying gaming. It's not. Yeah. And, and when those days that I don't, that's dead, that it's dead, excuse me, mm -hmm. is I could have been happier not streaming and just leisurely gaming whatever I wanted to game, you know, or yeah. gaming with you off stream. You know, it's just like, it would have been nice, you know, to just not have to like rev up everything and yeah. then, yeah. you know, but it's like, you never know. 
Yeah. You could be like, oh, it's been dead for a week, and then the next day, you're, it's not dead. And, or, you know what I'm saying? So you never know. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. Yeah. yeah. I always say there's people who stand outside with their guitar, and they probably make more money just by being in a place <laughs> with lots of traffic, you know what I mean? Where yeah. we get on, and we're, like, hoping someone shows up. But, no, so, okay. So, when you're on Twitch... And you stream a lot of different games. You stream sh shooters and magical stuff and now zombies. <laughs> um, what's your, like, what for you is your biggest crowd? What game do you stream that's your biggest crowd? Um, I would say either Apex mm -hmm. or Paladins. Paladins, um, okay. Yeah. Um, lately, though, even when I do play Paladins, it's been a very small crowd. Um, but I think it's just something, you know, there's something in the air or something. But normally when I stream either one of those games, I have a decent amount of people. When I say decent amount of people, it's like nobody compared to like a part, you know, like uh, some crumbs. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'm fine with that. <laughs> oh, make sure your mic is open. I don't know what your computer, computer, that makes me sound old. Your PC mic is just because it was a little low on here. That's fine on there. It's fine on there. Oh. I don't know yeah, if it moved I mean, or... Oh, I don't know. I didn't change anything, though. Is it this one? The mic yeah. on your... For the yeah, PC? Right yeah, there. just move it closer. That's all. Okay. Okay. So, now that we've covered that, we're going to go back into the drama. So, the thing about the trauma bond is once they've got you in it, my therapist... I'm one of those people that my therapist says, my therapist basically said it's like a web, right? And so one of the things she was saying to me is, you know, something happened to me recently and I got involved and it was, it just like spiraled out of control. And she's like, nope, they got you right back in the web. That's what they did. They put you right back in that web. That's where they want you. And, you know, I'm like, it sucks because we are in love with this person. You know what I mean? We love them. We believed the lie. We believed the fantasy. So it is incredibly hard to disconnect from that. So what I want you to share now is detail the kind of person that your narc made you think they were before all the shit that you told us about in the last part. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think what really made me like fall for him is he was so attentive. He was um, very transparent, is what I thought was transparent. Mm -hmm. um, and he was such a gentleman, and he always put me first. He was definitely, like, a protector. He would, you know, when we walked on the, on, the, on the sidewalk, he'd make sure I was on the inside and not the outside. Like, he was just, like, you know, it, it just made me feel good, you know? And he was, like, would talk to me about his feelings and you know, and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is a great guy. Like, why are you still single? You know, I'm just like, okay, let's do this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm open. And then, you know, like I said. So what was, time, can you remember if you think, cause, cause it definitely took me a while. And then I realized, and I'll, and I'm going to share my story in a second, but it took me a while to say, to say exactly what the first flag was but I wouldn't have never known without all of the the counseling and then the reading and then all the TikToks. Like I definitely would never have thought that this was the first flag. Do you, can you, if when you look back in your mind, what was the first thing that now, knowing what you know now, 
you would have seen if you were dating him now and been like, Whoa! check, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I felt like was a struggle for me in our relationship was, you know, him trying to always make me the bad person. And I remember specifically the first time we were, it was Easter and we were about to go to his family's house and we had some argument. I don't even know what it was about. But I ended Usually up- it's one that they create. Yeah, girl, I don't because, remember. Because, no, 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 because you said you were, it was Easter, you were heading to his family's house, right? Mm-hmm. Generally, what I noticed from my narc and stories, and I mean hundreds of stories that I've seen, is that they tend to try to get you emotionally worked up before you get to an event. And this is usually because... They've already started a slight smear campaign against you. So they have a way of making other people think things about you before they've even met you. And so in order to confirm bias, right, in order to make those people say, oh, he wasn't lying, they need you to be in a certain emotional state when you get there so that maybe you're standoffish or you're tearing up in the eyes or you're a little angry or you're a little confused or you're a little shy or antisocial. And that fits into how they told everybody about you. and But really, before you left the house, you were in a great mood and you were ready to meet everyone. But they needed to bring you to that level to control your emotional state when you were in public. And so they generally do that in, on the car ride. They call it, we, they call it the, narc, the narc ride. So on the car ride to the, your destination is generally when they will really rip into you. So, and, and I just want to say this, my, one of my last narc rides, I didn't even know this person was a narc yet. I just knew everything was wrong. Like, I was just like, this is, I can't take this no more. My last narc ride, it was so bad. We were maybe five minutes, we were going to the store, to the market. We were maybe five minutes away from the market at a red light. I literally got out of the car and just started walking away from wherever I was just walking away like in traffic like three lanes of traffic I crossed it and just walk just the cars were beeping at me and everything because I could not take that ride anymore I was not gonna because what do they do as soon as you get to location they put the mask back on Mm -hmm. they pretend everything's fine and now you have the emotional issue and you gotta just deal with it the whole time like uh uh what was that movie the wives the Stepford wives like this. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. And pretend that there's nothing wrong, right? So, right. okay, you went on a narc ride. It was Easter. Go on. Yeah, and whatever the argument was, you know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't remember what it was, but it's just, you know, of course he flipped the script and made it my fault. I was mm-hmm. the bad person. Literally, that was when I was like, okay, maybe it's just, maybe, I don't know, maybe this is just a one-time thing. I don't know, uh, you know, and then... When, like you said, when I got there, I was, you know, kind of standoffish and I was like kind of just like reading the room. I didn't really talk a lot. And, you know, we ended up, did have, ended up having fun, but, you know, I we was not stop like picturing before we left, like, mm-hmm. like the way he was acting. I was just like something in my stomach was like, that just ain't right. And then, of course, I'm ignoring it because I'm in love or I really like this person. And then it just after that like not right after that but like eventually it was just like the floodgates open <laughs> well and no but see the thing is is that's exactly what he wanted so he worked you up and then you had a good time and it was the good time was um 
heightened because you yeah. went into it really sad. You went into it really depressed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So because you were brought down and made to feel bad, anything that happened after that felt great. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. I can tell you that looking back, the first red flag I saw, now I know better. And I mean, I put it to the test. <laughs> I yeah. know better. So without giving away too much, I'll just say, and it became a running a running issue in the relationship for a while, pretty much the whole relationship. And I should have known from that day, but I didn't know better because I thought that he was sweet, kind, innocent, abused, in need of real love, in need mm-hmm. of a nurturer, a carer, you know, a good guy who just needs a, a shoulder to cry on, you know, handsome, blah, 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 right? These are the things that I saw in him. So when this happened, I immediately took the blame and he knew to, to make me take the blame because he knew in our conversations in passing, I told him, you know, I've done this before. I've been a dancer before. You know, I've, I, you know, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want sugar daddies anymore. I don't want to be considered a whore or a slut. Like my music videos made people think I was, I want to be a nice girl. I am a nice girl. I'm a sweet girl. I don't just sleep with anybody. That's a misnomer. That's not true. People just think that when they see me that I just lay up with every man. I don't. Um, but they, but he learned about me because they do. They listen a lot. They observe. They take in more information than they give you. And so they build this person that they know you need to get you into the web. And so he knows how I feel about, you know, being a sex kitten and how it's ruined a lot of my personal and and. Um, emotional relationships right or my romantic relationships right so one day we were out walking and and we were having a little tiff and a little tack because he was like oh stop walking like that I'm like walking like what he's like you know what you're doing you know what you're doing the way you're switching your body like that you know what you're doing you know what you're trying to do and I'm like I'm not trying to do anything and a car beeped he goes see see what you're doing and I said I can't make them not beep at me I look cute I have a cute outfit and I'm Stop walking like that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep walking. Because, see, I still had enough common sense to, like, no, I shouldn't let anyone tell me what to do, especially when we just started dating. So, it's yeah. like, I'm going to keep walking, and I'm going to keep walking how I walk. This is how I walk. And yeah. and either you're going to be fine with it or you're not. And he, like, lost it and left me there. Oh, my God. Went back to the house. And when I got back to the house, he was like, oh, frustrated. He's like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go back up. Because he lived like two hours away. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to And I'm like, why? Why are you going to do that? And here it is. He's presented. Uh, he's created a problem. He's drummed up drama. And he's made me feel bad, though I've done nothing wrong. And feel like I'm guilty of doing something bad. And now I must beg him not to leave. And yeah. that's it. That was yep. it. That was the hook he put in. I was trauma bonded. I was needy and desperate and clingy. And he could do this to me as much as he needed to and continue to for a very long time. So let me ask you this. How did you get, what was the worst thing, if you don't mind sharing, that the, the narcissist did to you 
And if it's the thing that also made you be like, I'm out, then you can just say it as one piece. But if it's not, then just what was the one of the worst things that, that a narcissist did to you? Um, I think it was at the very end. I, I was sitting at my desk at work and I was putting out, uh, about to run some checks through like a check scanner. Mm-hmm. And I had my uh, cup of coffee sitting on my desk and it was like in the morning. And he comes in like you never know he's like he was like a ticking time bomb you never know like you are always walking on eggshells and yeah. shattered glass with you never know what he's gonna be mad at or what he's gonna like you know start yelling or screaming or tripping off of right and uh, you know like i mentioned before he was upset because he saw some guy at my desk which was a customer which that's my job you know right. like he's literally a customer and he got so mad and, and, and I was, and this was my boss was right in the other room. Like he didn't give two fucks about any of that. And he took the coffee and just like all over my desk, all over all the checks that I was about to scan in the scanner. And I was just like, I stayed calm the whole time because I was at work and my boss was right there. And I was so embarrassed. I was mortified actually. And, you know, and I just was like, and he just walked off of course. I didn't chase after him because I was at work. If I wasn't at work, I probably would have chased after him. But I was at work and, you know, I had to clean it up and I had to explain to my boss. And, you know, and after that, I was just like, I cannot do this. He's psycho. Like, so then did you start to plan to leave after that? Was that what happened? Yeah, I did. Um, It was it wasn't too hard to leave, um, but he still knew that he had like he could hook me in certain ways, mm-hmm. you know, um, That's what, well, there's a term for it. it's called hoovering, but go ahead. Yeah. And he, you know, he will call me if he, you know, needed help with something or whatever. And I was still trying to be nice to this person who did not right. deserve anything from me. Right. And, you know, eventually, you know, you know, it was, it was, wasn't like it was the next day that I left. It was like over some more time that eventually, you know, left and, you know, I had to change my, I still work there and he still worked there. That was the fucked up thing about it is we were both working at the same place. So eventually he got let go and it was like oh, such a relief for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just slowly, we just, I started easing my way from him until I just completely stopped talking to him for like a year. And then of course he popped back up, tried to like, you know, I think I was around then he, when he yeah. came back up. Yeah. Yeah. Because this all happened when her and I were not talking. This yeah. whole, that whole relationship, I missed out on that whole thing. I'm glad I did because I would have been like, let me tell you something, mother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so stressful. It was, it was rough. I mean, you know, he would yell and scream and blame and point fingers like constantly. And I was just like, well, and they isolate you, too. Yeah. They, they isolate you, too. And being in the military, you know, it's really scary because a lot of military wives, they get isolated. They get taken away from their families purely under the guise of the military taking them away. But it's like the perfect storm for a narcissist. I got, I've got, i got them isolated. I've got them all to myself. I can, t- I can mentally control this person. I can financially abuse this person by controlling the finances, controlling the money, controlling the budget. They have no one else to go to, no one else to turn to. You know, if they want to leave, then they can go all the way back home to their mama or whatever. It gives, the military is... Honestly, it is like the 
centrifuge for narcissists. If they want, if there is a narcissist and he joins the military, it's probably the worst thing because it gives him this culpability for why he didn't answer the phone, why he didn't come home on time. You know, oh, he's overseas. You need to just trust him. And 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 all narcs cheat emotionally or physically or both. They all cheat. And so the military gives them this great blanket, this great like, oh, I'm in the military. It's a, yeah. I was I was over here. I have this excuse. It is it is probably the worst thing. So when you're with someone that they like you know because you've been through this too. This was another. One. I know this was the other one. And so there's you know what it's like to have someone who was not in the military but they had their issues already. And then the military was like a steroid shot to them. And it's like, oh, now I can be a total asshole. I can totally mentally abuse her. I can cheat on her and treat her like crap and disappear and just blame everything on the military. Oh, I, I didn't change. It's the military did it to me. It just stressed my brain. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, okay. It's, it's, I've watched and I've, and I've been in a group and I've talked to a lot of wives um, and a couple, there was a couple of girls that are actually just pregnant that are in this group. I'm like, honey, why did you, oh, no, you didn't even get the check, girl. Oh my God. But no, but they, but there's a lot of wives in the group. And the reason there's a lot of wives is because the military really, it just jacks that, that narcissism all the way up. So when you finally left, cause I know you're running out of time. When you finally left the, the narc, um, when they tried to get you back, were you tempted? Um, I will say that I slept with him a few more times after that. <laughs> but um, he knew. I laid all my cards on the table. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting back in a relationship with you. This is strictly sex. You know, and, you know, I hadn't been dating for a while because I didn't want to after that. You know, yeah. I was like, ugh, I need a break. It scars you. Um, it scars you. Yeah. But eventually after that, I think he kind of um, realized I wasn't going to go back. Like, I wasn't going to give him everything that he probably thought that I was going to. And I was more independent. I was stronger. And I was, you know, I had a louder voice. And so I think maybe that turned them off. I don't know, but well, that's the thing. So their whole goal is to break you down. But if they don't break you down, it's the best way I can explain it is like this. They, they have a saying about the Chinese. What is it? The, no, it's the Chinese one. The Chinese thing where it's like if it's a broken bowl, then they just fill it in with gold all the cracks that's why you see those like black bowls with the cracks of gold all over them that's how they fix them they don't throw them away they make them stronger and more beautiful and so i feel like after what i've gone through that i'm becoming more strong and more beautiful and a narc is completely turned off by that they don't want you strong they don't want you confident they don't want that. They want no. you sad and desperate and they want you to want them and love them and put your whole life into them and oh, cry goodness. for them. And mm -hmm. they don't want, they don't want this. And so it, I, I, do you believe the relationship you're in now, the, the type of man that you pulled into your, um, your stratosphere, so to speak, into <laughs> your gravitational pull is, was different because you radiated something different after that. Absolutely. And you know, I feel like, I feel like, I don't know why I said felt, but I feel like he is just, he's always been very, um, just everything was just like go with the flow. He's very, 
normal, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, it's just, you know, we have problems. Don't get me wrong. We have problems. I feel like Right. No, no. The narcs are a very specific problem, but there's yeah. other regular stuff that goes on in all relationships. Right. Yeah. He's definitely not a narc. And, I, I you know, I've. I'm very, very grateful for that because I feel like I needed that. I deserve that after what I've had in my past. Right. You know, like, I just needed that. And, you know, I did date a few people before I met him. And, a few. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was really nothing. They were a bunch of nothing. Um, but, okay. you know, I'd, I went into dating my boyfriend now as mm-hmm. it was just a casual thing like let's mm-hmm. just be friends and see what happens and then immediately we bonded and immediately we're just like okay we can't be away from each other and it's just you know that's how it happened well there was no pressure so yeah it was easier well i just wanted to let you ha- say that you know for those of the that are out there like myself and those who are at the other stages where I definitely was recently where they think there's no way out. They can't even see any other way out except like, you know, a bottle of pills. Honestly, you know, it's like it, it gets real dark because you have to come to terms with the fact that the person that you thought you knew you didn't know and that most of the relationship you had wasn't real. Right. And to come to terms with something like that is not fucking easy. Mm-hmm. So. Take a look at this girl right here. She is living proof that not only can you move on from it, but you can learn from it and grow more beautiful and more strong. So thank you, Funny Honey, for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. No problem. We'll definitely have you on again if I keep doing my podcast, which I probably will. Yes, you should. And and just let everybody know where they can reach you one more time. Oh, yeah, the Funny Honey one and funny. Um, same everywhere, Instagram, uh, Twitch, Twitter, I think those are all the places that I have. <laughs> In, yeah, you said Instagram. Oh, Discord, yeah. you have a Discord now, oh, too? Oh, yeah, Discord, yeah, yep. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, you know, I'd have something, I usually have something piffy to say at the end of this, but I'm just gonna say, Diamonds are a girl's best friend, and I'm looking to expand my collection. I'm going to leave it at that. And until next time, keep it hot.